Welcome to the Underground Podcast, the student ministry of Riverside Community Church. We are happy to have you listening in this week. If you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we're in the middle of a series called Vampires Dealing with People Who Suck the Life Out of You. Um, And so tonight we're going to talk a little bit about drama, a little bit about drama. And some of you are like, please don't be directing that towards me. Um, Because I follow some of y'all on some stuff and it's good. Um, But as I was thinking about this, I looked up the definition of drama and here's what it says. An exciting, emotional, or unexpected series of events or set of circumstances. Okay, now that was kind of a little boring definition, if I'm honest with you. So I wanted to find a different definition, and so, of course, I went to Urban Dictionary. Now, let me just say, I did not write this, so just say that right now. Something women, and especially teenage girls, thrive on. I got about half of you, the other half of you will never be back. Consisting of any number of situations that have an easy solution, which would bring a fairly good outcome, but these girls choose another bad way to deal with it. Consisting of backstabbing, blackmailing, gossiping, and betraying their friends. This is the most exciting any of you have ever been about a message in the history of the world. Drama queens can't keep relationships going and don't have any real friends. The majority don't realize they are a drama queen and always say things like, I don't like drama in my life. Yet they're the one thing in common with all the problems around them and they're too stubborn to admit that they are wrong. Now here's what it says in all bold caps. Steer clear and run as far as you can. As it wraps up, I thought this was so perfect for our series. It says, they are just straight up, and I changed the word, idiots, we'll call them that, that you can't save or help. They are leeches who lie and will suck the life out of you. I didn't even make that up. That was like perfect right there. So all of us at some point will deal with drama in our life. Some of us more than others. Um, But you see, drama just doesn't walk into our life out of nowhere. Either you kind of create it, you maybe invite it, or maybe you're kind of around and you kind of associate a little bit with it. And in a crowd of this size, I guarantee you that there are some of you that are in the midst of some drama right now. And I wish I could say that the older you get, the less drama there is. But even as adults, we sometimes maneuver and try to figure out what exactly that looks like. So tonight, I want to give you kind of five practical ways of dealing with drama. And we're actually going to use the word drama. And so I'm going to give you five things to kind of spell those things out to help you remember. Now, recently, I've been reading a lot in the book of Proverbs. It's an Old Testament. It's like an easy book of the Bible to read. So if you're somewhere and you're like, I don't even really know where to start in the Bible, Proverbs is a, is a great one because it gives you some practical stuff that you can take away. And so today, as we look through this, we're going to start with the first one, starting with the letter D. All right. Letter D. And if you're taking notes, this might help you as you go through. If you don't have drama in your life at some point, unfortunately, it will probably rear its ugly head. So number one, letter D, don't stoop to their level. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. 
Thank you for that, young son. You see, this series has been kind of spot on for me because this whole idea of vampires, I have those in my own life. And you think when you're a pastor, when you're my age, that you don't deal with some of the stuff that we've been dealing with. But if you were here um, kind of three weeks ago when we started, we kind of gave you some practical ways just to kind of deal with the vampires in your life. And then a couple weeks ago, we talked a little bit about jealousy. And then last week, we talked about critical people and dealing with those kind of critical people in our lives. And I have to tell you, every single week that I preach something, it's something I've been dealing with in my own life. And some of you know that there's many times where I've said to you, I'm not just preaching what I think you need to hear, but I need to preach what I need to hear. So it's not by any stretch of the imagination that this week I'm preaching to you a little bit about drama because this is a conversation we've had in our household fairly recently. And even, you know, the other day, Rach said something to me and we were talking about a situation that we've kind of been dealing with. And she goes, doesn't it bother you? Doesn't this bother you? Doesn't it get to you? And one of the things that I used to do a lot is I would obsess and worry about some things. And I, I'll, if I'm honest with you, I still sometimes struggle with that. But one of the things that I've learned is that worry doesn't add a minute to your life. You see, in fact, it does exactly the opposite. Because I've known people, and I don't know this for sure, but there have been people in my life that I've known that I think have worried so much about stuff that I think, unfortunately, it's probably taken some time off their life because they live a life of just worrying about things kind of over and over. You see, sorry, <laughs> calm down. You know, you see, thank you. You're like, you can tell you've been working out of the gym. Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for that. You see, there were times in my life where people would say stuff to me or people would do stuff to me. And then my first reaction would be like, I'm going to go beat them up. Not really. You're laughing at that before I even said it. I'd probably not. I just kind of use my wit and sarcasm and make fun of them because that's what I do. That's my defense mechanism right now. But I remember when I was, um, I had this job in college and and I went to Bradley and I worked my way all the way through through school and I actually worked for the postal service, which is like the most boring job ever. Don't laugh at that, Aubrey. And I worked for the postal service and and there was this girl that that I worked with, um, I kind of liked her. She kind of liked me. It was one of those things when you're 19 years old. And uh, so one night, we just kind of hung out. (laughs) Thank you. My wife's here and my kids, so let's keep it under control. Um, But I remember one night, we just kind of hung out. We went out out to eat. and, And listen, I was very naive at the time. And we went out, out to eat, and uh, she goes, can I go back to, to your place and watch TV? Oh. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's go watch TV. Okay, calm down. It's not PG-13. But so we, we, we went back to this apartment that I was living in at the time, and I realized uh, she probably wasn't interested in watching TV. And, and so... <laughs> This is what happens when your dad is your pastor. It just gets <laughs> awkward, and I apologize. They'll be in therapy when they're 30. But one of the things is that, you know, I wish I could say that, like, I always had it together, and I always knew what to do in situations like that. But I realized, like, this was not the best situation for me. And so 
I said to her, I said, hey, thank you. So, hey, it was, this is a fun night. I'm glad we got to go eat, but I, I think it's time to go home because I was trying to get myself out of those situations that I preach to you all the time about. Don't put yourself in those situations, and I put myself in those situations. <laughs> and, and you could tell she was visibly uh, disappointed, upset, whatever the word you want to use is. I didn't really think anything of it. I had kind of moved on until I went back to work the next day. And I'm not going to get into all the gory details, but she had gone back to work and had spread this completely vicious, untrue lie about me. And everything in me said, man, I'm going to go and I'm going to say everything I want to say about her. But I did it because I didn't want to stoop to her level. You see, there's this guy that you probably have heard about in history class if you haven't been asleep called Gandhi. All right. This is, Gandhi was this guy that kind of led India to their independence. He was this guy that believed in nonviolent protests. And I love what he said. He said, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Think about that. When you go attack somebody or you go after them, ultimately, it doesn't help any of us. In fact, it leaves more problems than what we started with. You see, in Galatians 5, it says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. But you see, those of us who know Jesus, those of us who have entered a relationship with Jesus, it goes on to say, but the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things, even when you say them with a lisp like I just did there. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. You see, I said it last week, if you were in with us in high school, be the bigger person. You see, the more you rise above it, the closer you are to Jesus. You see, when I was growing up, we used to have these bracelets. And they said, WWJD. I'm really showing my age right here. But do you have one right now? Oh my gosh, can I see that? Oh, they, okay, I'll tell you the one that I wore was not sparkly like this, lest you think what was going on. But it stood for what would Jesus do? And we wore these. Okay, just really pretty. We wore these. Because it was a reminder for each of us. As we were growing up, what would Jesus do in that situation? You see, Jesus wouldn't stoop to their level. You see, instead, Jesus would help them to grow into what God had created them to be. Second thing, R. Remember the times that people have dealt with your garbage. (laughs) Proverbs 17, 9. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. You see, there's a time in my life, and I still kind of fall into this trap sometimes, where I kind of write people off. Where you say to people, you know, well, they're just an idiot. Or that's how they're always going to be. Or, well, if they would have invited me. Or, well, if they would have called me back. And I used to fall in that trap where I would blame everybody for everything that would happen. You know, every time now, I keep playing with this, I'm sorry. 
every time I get frustrated with people or sometimes I get upset with them, I try to make my first instinct. I'm always reminded, and God does this. Michael, do you know how many times people have put up with all of your garbage? So why can't you be patient with them? My family sees it multiple times. They put up with a lot. I'll tell you, okay, we don't need to echo it. Thank you, son. You see, I'm not always easy to live with. In fact, I'm a little bit difficult sometimes. And when I was in college, around that same time that that issue happened with this girl, I bought tickets to go to this. I'm not going to tell you what even the concert was because I keep those things private because you'll judge me. I had tickets to what at the time was like the concert event of the year. It rhymed with Demonem. Um, it wasn't the Beatles. It wasn't the Beatles. Were you alive with the Beatles? Yes. It was back in 1964. I was in college. But my, my friend and I had these tickets to go see the Beatles. And during that time, we kind of had a falling out because there was this girl that I, I kind of liked that was in one of our classes in college. But she had no interest in me whatsoever. But she had an interest in one of my best friends. And they started dating, and I got so mad that it came around the time to go to the show. And we had not really talked very much. And I had sold his ticket to somebody else. <laughs> and so the day of the show rolled, rolled around the day before, and he goes, so uh, I know we haven't talked, but like, when are we going to that show? And I was like, hmm. Um, mm, no, I'm, I, I sold it. And I just remember he was so ticked off at me. And, and that kind of ended our relationship, our friendship rather, until the next semester, I was sitting there, and who sits at the next available seat next to me except this old friend of mine? And I was like, oh, here we go. He hates me. I hate him. And the thing was, he, he sat down, and without missing a beat, he's like, hey, how have you been? Good. He's like, man, I've missed hanging out with you. What's going on? How's your family? How's, your, how's things going? And I just kind of shared it with him. And I was like, oh, okay, that was fun. But this is going to be a long semester. And the crazy thing is, the next day, he sat down and he put something on my desk. He goes, I was at the store and I bought these for you. And anybody that knows me knows that I like snack cakes. Um, and it was like my favorite zebra cakes in all the world. And like, that's really something really silly. But it showed me that at that time, he had no animosity towards me. You see, he was still kind to me. Maybe that's what Kanye and Taylor Swift need to do. They just need to open up a box of zebra cakes and they can <laughs> figure out all those issues. But you see, when you go back in Matthew 18, Peter asked Jesus, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? And many of you know this. Jesus replies, 70 times seven. You see... In that parable that he starts to talk about in the Bible, is called the parable of the debtor. And basically what happens is the king has these servants, and the servants owe him different money. And in the Bible, it says that this servant really owed him basically what would be today millions upon millions of dollars. And the servant couldn't afford it. And so the king was going to throw him into prison. The servant threw himself to his knees and said, Sir, sir, I promise if you let me go, I'll go earn money. I'll go do it for you. I'll do whatever it takes to give you the money. And the king was so moved by that that he completely wiped out his debt. 
it goes on to say he didn't worry about it and he freed the man and he, off he went. Well, it says later on that servant then went to one of the other servants that he knew and said, hey, you owe me thousands of dollars. I need you to repay. And the guy's like, I don't have the money. Basically, the same kind of thing happened. And you see, instead, the man did kind of the same thing. He begged for extra money, begged for extra time. And the guy said, no. He goes, I want your family. I want your kids. I want your wife. Well, this got back to the king. And you see, when the king heard out about it, he called the man back. And here's exactly what he said. You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You see, I love that last part there, from your heart. How often do we apologize to people through kind of clenched teeth? I know that happens in our family. We have talks and I say, okay, you need to go apologize to your sister or you need to go apologize to your mom. And how many times have we done that where you go up to somebody and you're like, I'm sorry. And some of you are like, every time I do that. And then we have this conversation like, go calm down. And when you calm down, you go make it right with that person. And we kind of calm down a little bit. But see, the thing, most of the time, the people that are in our lives, the people that are kind of maybe sometimes a little bit drama with us, you know, there's probably times in our life that they've shown grace and they've shown mercy and they've shown love to you. Please don't break that light. I'll be responsible for it. You won't get any snacks. We're taking the zebra cakes back tonight. There's zebra cakes waiting for you. Just wait. So if they've shown love and mercy and grace to you, please make sure that you try to return the favor no matter how hard that is. Number three, A, avoid trying to get people on your side. Avoid trying to get people on your side. Proverbs 10, 19 too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. That's like my version of it. Keep your mouth shut. I need to read that over and over because I don't keep my mouth shut sometimes. I had these friends um, that we all kind of grew up in church together. There was three of us and, and some people kind of referred to us as the three musketeers because we were all together. And invariably in that friend group, when two of your friends start dating, and you become like the third wheel. Anybody had that happen before? That's really, that's really fun. But they got together and that's fine. But then they had this horrible breakup. They were friends forever. They, they tried to date. It didn't really work out. And they had this kind of horrible breakup. And both of them, when you're that third person, they come to you and you hear both sides of it. And I remember I said to each of them what I thought they wanted to hear. So you say the one thing to the one person and they turn and you say something else to the other person. Well, my friends were much more mature than I because after a while they got back together and hashed it out and they're like, hey, let, this was terrible. Let's hash it out. And when they were hashing it out, they started to talk about, oh, well, here's what Michael said to me. And then they're like, here's what Michael said to me. And I was caught in the middle because I tried to be both things to both people. I tried to get on one another's good side with that. And you see... I lost both of those friends for a season. It took a while till both of them started to trust me again. You see, 
when we get angry and things don't work out, we start recruiting people for our side. You know, we may even start talking to people, associating with people that, you know, a couple weeks ago we didn't really have much time for. But we start getting them together, and now we want them on our side. We start to say things like, now here's what really happened. Or just be careful because here's what they did to me that they could turn around and do to you next. You see, it becomes a competition. It's almost like a sick and twisted version of like Red Rover. Have you ever played Red Rover when you were in school and you're like, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Kevin right over. And then you go through and you break through and you try to get the other person on your team. That's what happens a lot. We try to recruit people to our side a little bit. And the thing I come back into that verse, keep your mouth shut. I say to my family all the time, everything that comes in your head does not need to come out of your mouth. I said it last week. Everything that you're going through does not need to be posted on social media for all to see. Back in the day, we used to have these things called diaries or journals and you would take those and you would write what you needed to say and you would keep that under lock and key so nobody ever saw what you were thinking or what you were writing it's the exact opposite today we go and we post stuff all over the place for everybody to see it the other day i as i was writing this somebody here i wrote it word for word because i thought this is so perfect what i'm talking about Obviously, this is, I'm not going to say this. Um, It said, guess I'll be single all my life because he just can't keep it in his pants. And listen, that is nothing I needed to know. And that was certainly not a visual I needed to see. And you see what started to happen is that I... I should, in hindsight, I shouldn't have done this. I started to read the comments that went underneath it, which is never a good thing. And like the first couple started off with, you're better off without him. You're in a better place. And then it starts to get a little bit nastier as it goes down. Like, oh, that kid looked like a chihuahua with bad teeth anyway. You're better off without him. I pooped out things that look better than him. Like, it was the nastiest things in the world. But you see, that's what happens. You see, gossip is one of the quickest ways to erode friendships. Because at some point, there are going to be some issues that come between you and your friend. And they're going to remember what you were like in that situation. And think, man, if you said this about me back then... What's going to happen now in my situation right now? You see, two things when those situations come up. Number one, some of you are much bolder than me. Or when those conversations come up, squash them. Say, you know, this has nothing to do with me right now. Have you talked to that person about it? Hey, go make it right with that person. Can I tell you? Because I, I just, it puts me in a really, really awkward situation. So here's the thing I usually do. I usually get up and go to the bathroom. I'll go get a cup of coffee. I will do something. I will get that. And I will walk away from that situation. Because I don't need to be a part of that. 
You see, I don't need to be a part of all that stuff that's going on because what starts to happen is I listen to that and it changes my opinion about those people, whether rightly or wrongly. Number four, M, measure the cost of the friendship. Measure the cost of the friendship. Proverbs 14, seven. Stay away from a fool for you will not find knowledge on their lips. You see, there's probably people you know, that even as I've been talking tonight, there are people you know that thrive on drama. People, as I've been talking, you've been able to picture people in your head. You see, I used to work with somebody, and it was nonstop drama. I even wrote down, one week, here are some of the things that happened in her life. Okay, listen to this. Her mom got sick. She got food poisoning. She had her tires slashed. I'm not going to tell you what happened to her daughter, but her daughter got sick. Um, Someone ate her microwave meal out of the teacher's lounge, and her gerbil died. All in one week. I don't know why an adult has a gerbil, unless you're eight years old. But all this stuff happened, and I'm telling you, if that all that stuff happened, that's a terrible week. I get it. But can I tell you, that was a pretty normal week for this person. It was one thing after another after another. Drama just followed this person. You see, it says in there, someone like that is dangerous. Scripture says to keep them out of your space, to stay away from them. You see, some of you are like, Michael, that's really easy. I'm just going to stay away from them. But sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes there's people that you go to school with. Sometimes those drama people live in your own home and it's not possible. But can I tell you, as easily as you possibly can, try to stay cordial, try to stay respectful to them. I remember I had a friend's mom who always said this. I wrote it down. Feed them with a long-handled spoon. Now, if you don't know what that meant, she meant, like, it's fine to be with them, but keep them at a safe distance. Don't let them so close to you that they start to mess with you, that they start to change who you are. You see, I'm all about forgiving people, absolutely. That's the whole thing we're talking about, that sometimes you have to walk into some situations, you have to forgive people. But sometimes you learn from those mistakes. You see, I've loaned money to people that have never paid me that money back. I've learned from that. I'm never going to loan that person money ever, ever again. You see, sometimes we put our trust in people and they break it. Where I know there's certain things I'm just not going to open up to you. I'm just not going to tell you anymore. And sometimes you have to ask yourself, is this friendship ultimately worth it? You see, there's this group called the Spice Girls back in the day. No one is more excited than British Sarah. And in, the, in one of their most popular songs, they like sing, Friendship Never Ends. Okay, we don't need to sing that. Oh, gosh. Of course, my son would know that. But you see, sometimes friendships end, and that's okay. And sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's difficult. You see, sometimes you have to put boundaries, and sometimes you have to let friendships run their course. Because maybe sometimes they're only for a season. You see, there's sometimes friendships will start taking you down a wrong path they'll ultimately start taking you down a path that is not where God intended for you to be. And it's hard, 
and it's difficult, and sometimes it's painful, and sometimes there's a sense of loss. But that leads into our last one, number five, A. Always leave it in God's hands. Proverbs 3, 1 through 6. My child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You see, sometimes we just have to hand over situations. Sometimes we have to hand over dreams or even our whole lives to Jesus and say, man, I need your help in this. Wherever you want this to go, whatever you want this to look like, I'm leaving it with you. You see, if you were here on Sunday, I spoke a message all about going deeper in our relationship with Jesus. And you would think that after I, I, I do that, that I'm, man, I'm all on fire for Jesus. I'm going to go after all he has for me. But I'll tell you, if, if you were in my house Monday night, I, I had a little bit of, if I'm honest with you, a little bit of, of a breakdown. I was in the place and I was trying to come together with this message. I was trying to put some things together and it just wasn't coming. And, and Rach walked down and, man, I was in this place where I just didn't know where I was. The stuff of life had just kind of overwhelmed me because, you see, we're in the midst of a season in our family that's a little tough. It's a little dark at times. It's a little tough to even navigate. And you see, the verse that I keep coming back to is Hebrews ten twenty three. And for some of you, you need, to, you need to write this down and look it up, tattoo it on your arm, whatever you have to do. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. You see, in times like this, I always come back to the story of Paul and Silas. You see, these were two friends, two men that were arrested, thrown into prison, put into the stocks. And in Acts 16, 25, it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. You see what it says there. In the prison, they were still praising. In their darkest moments, they still believed that God had a plan, that God had a purpose, and they were still showing an outward sign of their inward heart. That line, and all the other prisoners were listening. You see, in every situation you go to, you have an audience that's watching you. They're watching you, how you're navigating. And you see, we as cross followers, sometimes we're under the microscope a little bit. You see, sometimes people are watching us when things are going really well. But I'll tell you, people are watching very closely when things are not going so well. You see, how you handle conflict, how you handle drama in your life, will show people who Jesus really is in you. So you see, what do you do? We've outlined five things just to kind of get you started. But you see, the last thing I wrote down today, when the night is at its darkest, your worship should be at its loudest. You see, Paul and Silas, this was probably the worst case scenario. They were thrown in prison and 
And I'll tell you, my first response would not be to throw up my hands and just worship. But you see, that's what they chose to do. And sometimes we hear, we get a little bit nervous about what will people say when I worship, they don't even understand what that is. You see, worship for us is just surrendering to Jesus. It's surrendering our lives. It's surrendering our issues. It's surrendering our worries and just saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I give everything to you. And so tonight, I don't know where you are. Some of you may say this message has absolutely nothing to do with me. What a waste of time. Let's go downstairs and get some snacks. But some of you, I know that this is right where you are tonight. Even today, you've gone through some stuff. And maybe tonight, you're like Paul and Silas and say, you know, this is the darkest it's been in a long time. And we're going to come back in and sing the stand one more time. And maybe for some of you, this is just your time with God. Maybe you need to sit there and just pray and say, God, I need your help. I give my life to you. I give this situation. I give this friendship, these relationships to you. And God, just help me figure it out. Or some of you just might stand or sit where you are and just raise your hands. And if that's weird for you, that's okay. But for some of us, this is our time where we're vulnerable. And we say, God, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm handing it over to you. So I just want to pray for us tonight. Dear God, I thank you for this group of students. I thank you for this group of leaders who come, maybe some of them for the first time, maybe some of them week after week after week. And God, I pray that tonight you would just remind them that you have a plan and a purpose and a destiny for their life. And God, maybe it's dark right now. Maybe it's hard to see any way out. But God, I pray for each and every person in this room that's dealing with things right now, that they would feel your love like never before, that you would come close to them even tonight in the midst of hard, difficult, terrible times, and that, God, you would love them like never before. God, I pray that you would start to do a work in their heart where we see people different, where we start to navigate our lives differently, and then the vampires come we stand true on what you've said about us, that we're called by you, that we're loved by you, that we're your child. So I pray for each person tonight as they go their separate ways, that you would just be with them, that you would help them get home safely and help us have a good rest of the night. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. To keep up to date with underground students, follow us on our socials at undergroundpia.